day and night I toss and turn, I keep stressing my mind, mind I look for peace, but see I don't attain What I need for keeps, this silly game we play Alright, back here on the Sports Grind Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producer Spin the one and twos 877-37-GRIND is your number Um... Keeping it moving, we got Matthew Rayner checking in Facebook Live. What up, Cal? What up, Matthew? Um, sticking with the NBA theme before we, because I do want to take a look at the CBS uh, top five teams of backslide in the National Football League. But before we leave the NBA scene, another thing I want to touch on is last night um, you had Detroit Pistons' Isaiah Stewart um, get arrested for punching sons drew eubanks before the game um the sons released a statement uh quickly i know monty williams had a problem with that he said that that he thought it was uh a little bit of reckless and premature meaning like i you know i don't even have all the facts and to sit there and say this and this we don't know what happened you know you want to get the facts then release a statement you know there that's what monty said now keep in mind monty didn't leave phoenix organization on the best of terms um but the the thing the reason why i bring this up because again you know kevin durant said that hey you know this is a brotherhood he said but you know you don't like to see things like this happen but he goes i understand guys get into it uh for certain things um you know, the way it was described, I guess this happened like in the tunnel, like kind of like walking into visitors' home, like the tunnel. Um, I don't know if it's necessary that there's a rest that should be made um, amongst players in, in, in this type of environment. Um, I mean, assault is assault. Yeah, but I mean, I, first of all, I, I think it would. I would really like to have this conversation if we knew exactly what this stemmed from. Um, if now, granted, you know, the Detroit player. I mean, he he got into it with somebody not too long ago, a couple years ago, too, as well. He got into it with LeBron, yeah. um, and there was an, a, another previous incident from one of the reports I was reading. Yeah, if if I. You know, depending what this stems from, um, you know, even, even if I would say if it if it's an old beef to settle, like on something that happened on the court, um, if it has to do with, I don't know, money, old side chick, groupie. I just feel that, you know, when you have two NBA players and there's an altercation, um, in my opinion, as long as there's not a gun drawn, a knife drawn, and we're just talking about a fisticuff, I, you know, and, and what I would like to know is because from what I heard, I, I want to know if Eubanks even press charges or he had told them, because usually these incidents, they'll ask you, like, you want to press any charge or anything? Or if this is a situation that the authorities at the arena decide to go ahead and say, hey, we saw what happened. Because according to the Sun statement, and I think this is what Monty had a problem with, they said that it was non-provoked. That uh, Eubanks did anything wrong, it was non-provoked. Maybe they're telling the truth. Maybe they're not. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they're just sticking up for their guy. 
but I just feel when it comes to me hearing two players getting a fight at the arena, whether it's pregame, after the game. I mean, you had guys going to locker rooms before, uh, after somebody, after a game, you have that. I just think in regards to – and sometimes you do need um, – you know, law involved security to kind of separate these situations and not let them escalate. Um, but an arrest, I, I, you know, I mean, okay. But I guess the million dollar question is what provoked it, what caused it, and two, was Eubanks the one that really wanted to press charges, or did somebody, the authorities there, just saw it say, "Hey, that's assault. We're going to press it either way." What do you got? Well, the arena might have their own p- policy as well as to how things have to be handled. Um, so that's something to maybe consider. Um, of course, Stewart wasn't held. He was arrested, issued a citation, and then released. So That's my point. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, and most of us in that situation, if we're not NBA players and we get in an altercation in public and we're going to get arrested, we're not going to get a citation. We're going to go sit in mastery for a while or have to see a judge and probably wait eight to ten hours for you bailed out. So my point is, I think it's a little, it's ridiculous to arrest two NBA players at the arena. Well, just one. They Stewart was the only one. Well, wrestling. yeah, and again, that's why I'm wondering what it, what did he press charges or whatever? What's the? What, I mean, I can't imagine Stewart just walking up and clocking Eubanks just for the hell of it. Well, from the reports uh, that I read, they were chest to chest, words were being exchanged, and then that's when Stewart came back and. Uh, hit Eubanks in the jaw. Um, again, ar- arrested the, the terms. I mean, you got handcuffs put on you. It could have just been, again, to pull you aside to separate it all. Stewart wasn't even playing in the game. He was already on the injured report, so it's not like he was going to be on the floor. They might have handled it a little bit differently at that point, too, if he was supposed to be on the floor. Um, who knows? You, you get handcuffs on you, you're arrested. Right, but it's so, also a, a means of controlling a situation as well. Right, I just feel like it's it, the, a lot of things. There's a lot of criminals running our streets across the country, and a lot of them are, are getting away with a lot of stuff. The last thing I need uh, is 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 for whether it's for publicity or not is law enforcement basically arresting NBA players for fighting pregame or after game in the arena. If there's no weapons involved, no one pulled a Gilbert Arenas and brought a gun to the arena. If this just fit, this could be, because what it sounds like to me, if they're chest to chest and they talking, this has something to stem with some beef prior to them. Now, it could be like, hey, man, you crossing across here. Maybe you may say, you ain't supposed to be in this area. This is our area. Man, screw you. What you going to do about it? Next thing you know, that happens. That's a related game beef. That's in the game. Okay, the unwritten rule is no different than, you know, borderline what happened with uh, in the AFC championship game where Justin Tucker decides to go in and warm up at Kansas City's area. And next thing you know, they've got some words and stuff. No thing, no punches were thrown. But if that's I'm not saying that's what happened, but if that's what happened, if that's the cause of it, that's that's part of the game. I don't need cops making an arrest, if especially if it's not a melee. Number two, um, if it's something stemmed from outside of basketball doings or you're coming in my territory and this is over because keep in mind there's been the nba there's been story i've heard charles oakley used to slap a lot of people for owing him money on the plane he punched somebody's ass out for losing money on the gambling thing that didn't pay on an airplane flight back a team flight there's been a lot of situations that go on amongst the fraternity uh in the nba that gets settled uh in a altercation violent type of way um, but I'm just saying when it comes down to I've got to know and very eager to know what this stems from. And in this day and time, we'll find out 
in a few days, somebody will get it. Somebody will know exactly what they're fighting for. But what I see, because right now, even if it's detained the situation, they separated them, or they had to put Stewart, the bottom line on all major sites today, it says Stewart arrested. And that's something that I just think that's a little bit, you know, over as long as there's no weapons and involved. Now, you run up in the stands, you punch a fan, or you do something like that, or you punch a security guard, you punch an usher, you punch, uh, you know, a worker. That, yeah, you know, get arrested. Assault between two NBA players? No. You know, no. But, you know, we'll see. And I doubt it. And, and you know what? I doubt it very seriously. I bet you a dollar to a donut Eubanks press charges. I don't think it was Eubanks, to be honest with you. I, I think it was somebody there that saw that and just said, hey, come on, you know. 877 um, grind also, what else we got going on NBA-wise? Uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, we've got two games in the dock. Let's see, Utah's – well, Golden State's in action tonight, right? Aren't they one of the ones? Because we only got two games on one of the two games tonight. I'll let you look at that. But we're getting winding down for the All-Star weekend. What do you got? we got three games. Three? Tonight. I thought we had two. But go ahead. What's the three we got in the docket? Uh, first up, Bucks at Grizzlies. Uh-huh. Bucks are 12-point favorites on the road. Uh, Warriors are two-point favorites in Utah, and the uh, Timberwolves are ten-point favorites in Portland. Timberwolves are coming in with some steam. They they picked up uh, two good victories, especially that road victory. They're looking. I still question them because I still question the coach. I still still question Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, Edwards is a stud, but we'll see. Uh, they're playing very good defense. They played good defense all year long. Uh, and you said the Bucks. Who do they got tonight? Uh, Bucks started off 12-point favorites in Memphis. Yeah, that's Memphis. You know, the jaw situation really screwed Memphis this year. Even, you know, not just the injury, but the suspension of the games. They just couldn't ever get enough tread. And then you you trade off Dylan Brooks. You take that toughness out there, even though I'm not that huge with Dylan Brooks fan. Uh, but Memphis's season was kind of like over before it got started. Um, what do you got? Well, just an interesting note as I look, stand back and look at that uh, the schedule for tonight. Not a single home team favored. Two not of them are ten are double digit underdogs. Yeah, not too surprising. I mean, it's only three games, but yeah, look in the in, But what's different in the NFL than the NBA when you talk about the handicap and purpose and lines? In the NBA, home court advantage ain't really. When it comes to capping and lines, ain't the same as NFL. Like you know, we have that. Yeah, that rule in NFL. Usually, the home team gets favored, standard three points. NBA man, you got some trash ass teams, and you got trash players. Uh, I know Barkley says that everybody here gets here is talented. That's that's right to a certain extent. I think it's a lot of people that get to the NBA that's just not developed yet, and you got some bad teams. So yes, it doesn't surprise me totally that you have some double digit favorites or favorites anyway on the road because bad teams on the road, and especially we just talked about it, the way this season this era is in, you lose. I mean, you give up. That's what makes it so impressive what the Clippers did last night. And that that's what makes me understand and really feel like they're a championship type of team this year because when you get down, the the majority of teams, and I don't care if they're a play a playoff team, a team tanking, a team in the middle of the pack, or play or a team at ninth seed. When you get down fifth, like no one really wants to fight back from 15, 18 0 runs they give up. Like, you can put a team to, away on any given night for the exceptions of a few teams in the league if you go on a 15-3 to three run. If you go on a 60, they they'll lay it down. 
And I think to me, that's what makes it more impressive of what the Clippers did last night because you're against the Golden State Warriors and you're on the road and Golden State's been playing well of late and you get down that many, you fight back. So therefore, going back full circle when you're saying looking at these spreads and there's not one home team that's favored, it just comes down to where it's really tough when you're talking about a line setter's job to set these lines on these games because in the NBA, you have to look at go with some of those spreads because some of these teams could be on paper, you know, a six to seven point type of spread, which is just about three buckets, you know. But reality, the game plays out because of the hunger and the want of some of these teams at night turns into an 18, 20 point, 30 point victory. So it's very challenging to handicap NBA games in this climate. Um, especially when you don't really know who's playing, who's not. And it also when you have that right before all-star break factor. I mean, look, Clippers are a veteran team. They could have just melted in and said, hey, man, it's not our night. Kawhi didn't play, but they dug deep. And Golden State had some assist in that. They still have too many turnovers, and they just don't have a, a margin for error. You know, they don't. And, and, you know, now the more, and I've talked about it on the program, the more that I see – this Clay Thompson situation play out with Golden State in regards to how Steve is utilizing him. And really, you know, it just comes down to a lack of confidence and trust in him and clutch moments just because of the skills. And I think Trey, I mean, excuse me, I think, you know, uh, Clay kind of talked about this in regards to these surgeries on a year. But other than just keeping him in a Golden State uniform and having him retire in Golden State, I don't – I mean, it's kind of – other than that being the only factor, it is kind of surprising and don't understand why they just didn't move him. Um, now, we've got quite a bit – we're going to – when we come back from the break, we're going to have like about maybe 23 games left of the regular season, 23 to 26, somewhere on there. And, you know, I do believe Golden State is forming identity, but the reality of it is is we'll see if they play, continue to play, how this rotate – if Clay can play himself back into – that finishing now when you get if they're fortunate enough to get into the playoffs and you know you get in a four out of seven and you get in a tense situation clay's got that expertise in that as uh jonas calls it and as pop calls it that corporate knowledge it's going to be hard for whoever to keep him off the bat if he can go and then in the nba uh there's really no back-to-back nights and i think you know just a few games ago clay went for like 23 points and then he followed it up with a subpar game and then the seven because he's probably to that point of his career where you know a 23 point night 30 point for clay he might need a couple days to go ahead and recoup from that where he's at right now at the stage of his career. 877-37-GRIND. All right, so switch again. I think that's everything that I wanted to touch on NBA-wise. So we'll see kind of what happens tonight. And then tomorrow, the All-Star uh, you know, festivities get started in Indiana in regards to uh, celebrity game. I know Stephen A. I think Stephen A. Shay Shay Shannon, a.k.a. Shannon Sharp, is coaching that. Um, we haven't really talked about, and I guess we can save that for tomorrow. Uh, you can educate me on who's participating in the dunk contest and the three-point contest tomorrow. I know we've got the Stephen Curry, uh, you know, a little side uh, gig there um with the three-point contest but we'll see who's really participating in the three-point contest and uh the slam dunk contest as well which honestly i've i don't think i've really made appointment to be in front of a tv for a slam dunk contest in probably about easy maybe seven years 
six or seven years easy, maybe even longer. But I would say on on the safe end, it'd probably be six, seven years since I made it a point that I had to be in front of a TV for a slam dunk contest. I want to see him either switch it to a blocks contest or or you have to dunk over somebody. Because I feel like that's really where it gets impressive. Because anymore, I mean, we're not really we're not changing the game with a lot of these dunks, which is what we've seen over the last three or four years, uh, probably closer to three years, um, as they've tried to incorporate some of the youth and and you know some of the league's best dunkers don't want to participate. Uh, but I, I kind of want to see it maybe go that way, just just to add some shock and awe to it. Because well, right now it's just boring. Well, I will tell you this: you you do get them to jump over like a person's considered a prop. <laughs> If you add blocks into it and you want somebody to actually block and then you're running the risk of somebody's going to get hurt. So to entertain Jonas and to keep him uh, upbeat for a slam dunk contest, we're going to have a center go against a player in an exhibition and somebody's going to be out eight to six, eight to 12 weeks coming down the home stretch because Jonas wants somebody to block in the slam dunk contest in an exhibition. Blocks man, are better you, than man, dunks. I tell you, man, you know, this young generation, this time that we're living in, man. 877-37-GRIND. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Seconds. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here for the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix, made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to choosetiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producer, spin the one and twos. Today's show was presented by Dosekis, and we have been broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this last segment of the day is going to be sponsored by Zing Zang. Two words are key to any perfect cocktail, and that is Zing Zang. Make sure you try out all their pre-made alcoholic drinks. They come in different flavors. Uh, and also, whatever you do, don't forget ever to Zing Zang responsibly. Zing Zang, official sponsor of the sports crime. All right, so um, real quick, 
uh, as we before we get out of here. Uh, so we'll see what how the All Star Weekend festivities are this weekend. So for the record, we just have uh, we just have two Spurs participating, right? Just Wimby, and you told me Sohan's part of. Uh, yeah, we're gonna see Wimby in the Skills Challenge and the the Rising Stars Challenge, and then Sohan was added to the Rising Stars Challenge. I can't remember who he's who he's replacing. Huh. But he was added to that, so that's two years in a row um, that Sohan will have participated. Huh. Okay. Um, when be doing the skills is going to be fun. The skill challenge—that's the one kind of where you have to do the chest pass and the thing, go through the cones. And, yeah, really highlight uh, yeah. his versatility. Huh. Well, no, I mean it looks like he's getting more comfortable. Uh, definitely uh, with the pace of the NBA and things are, you know, the way teams especially try to play him and kind of. You know, account for his size. Um, going back to the National Football League, uh, real quick. Um, CBS Sports had uh, the top five uh, teams poised to take a major fall in 2024. Okay, uh, this is according to Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports. Um, very interesting. Do you have the list in front of you, John? So you want me to go ahead and do it? If you have it, roll yeah, with it, but okay. I'm grabbing it You're right gra- now. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's look at this. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, he doesn't really – they're not ranked in any particular order. Uh, they just have them named. Um, let's start with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, he believes they're primed to take a fall – um, he kind of cites that you look at Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson. Uh, they are all recovering from ACL and MCL surgery. So he's looking at a little bit of health as a reason. Um, he's talking about Kirk Cousins, who's about to, uh, he's around the $40 million mark. He's 35 year old quarterback. And of course, we kind of talked about this yesterday. You know what kind of injury he's coming off of. So he lists Minnesota as one of the teams, the top five teams to take a step back. Um, because the reason why I say he might be right on them is because of the division. Uh, because I believe Detroit uh, is not a flash in the pan, um, they're the front runners for the division. And I think what we witnessed in the second half of the season and what we witnessed in the playoff run, the Green Bay Packers are going to be a problem. Okay, they're only going to get better week to week and over year up to year. So when you look at it, Chicago, you know, look, they, they've got um, one of the teams that have the most money to spend. They've got a ton of draft capital and they've got leverage and they hold the number one pick. So when you look at Chicago and the reason why I bring they're not on this list, but when you the reason why I bring them up, because when we talk about Minnesota being on this list, Chicago could flip their roster and basically go ahead and get talent and they could automatically be in contentions for competing for a wild card or making it tough on that team for that division. Now, it depends. All indications are they're moving from Justin Fields. So if they do that, even if you get a guy like Caleb Williams, which you would probably be starting him from day one, there's going to be some growing pains to go through. You know, uh, there will be some growing pains to go through. And also, um, so when you look at this, I kind of agree with him on Minnesota. I like Kevin O'Connell. I think he's a good coach. 
Um, I think definitely they've got to figure out the quarterback situation and really how long do they want to dance with Kurt again. If they do, who can fill in the gap till he's really 100% ready? Because I think where the age that Kurt's at, you can't rush him back. I mean, you he has to be 100% full calendar year, in my opinion, uh, to take hold and, and, and to come back and get under center. So he had the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the next team that he has on there, uh, the New York Giants. Um, you know, he kind of states that, you know, New York finished four and three in their last seven games. Um, also, he looks at Barkley's situation. You look at Daniel Jones' situation. Uh, he kind of puts in there that he felt that he was horrendous last season. Uh, I agree. Uh, they're on the hook for him uh, for pretty much $47 million cap hit in 2024. Um, and then you have defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. He's left. He's gone too. He departed. And, and remember, they had some little rust between him and Brian Dable. Um, you know, I would hold pause on this. I'm I'm not a hundred percent, you know, soul with him with particular Giants that I am, let's say, with Minnesota, because I think with Giants, you know, keep in mind, this is a Coach of the Year award winner in Brian Dable. You can't have one off year, and I think the way the year went last year, I think the the, the new – I thought personally from day one, well, last year, speaking of day one offseason, I think they force-fed Daniel Jones's contract. I think they made a mistake with giving Daniel Jones his contract, and I think they did it with trying to convince him and give him confidence that he's the guy. And I said when they signed him, nobody in that building really believes Daniel Jones is 100% the future of the Giants. So I think when you mix all that in and then Barkley's situation went through the contract, they were kind of set up to, to, to kind of have a tough road at it. And it played out that way. But I do still think there's some younger talent on the team. I think you just have to find out what you want to do with the quarterback situation because I don't really see, and I said this at the time, this reminds me of the Eli situation in the New York, but it's Eli had two champ, two rings. Daniel's in that situation that you paid him this money, but I can't see how you roll back with him 100% without either making him compete for the job or outright just trying to release him or trade him. But we'll see what happens. But maybe the financial part, it forces them to ride one more year with the Giants. Uh, the next team he has on here um, is the Denver Broncos, who finished 8-9. Um, some of the reasons he states is kind of reasons that I've been talking about that could be challenging. First of all, uh, we know Russell Wilson's situation. Um, he has a post-June 1 cut. Uh, you're talking about uh, $35.4 uh, they'll be eating. You've got them about pretty – right now, even prior to that, you know, they stand $21.4 over the salary cap. Uh, so most likely, as he states, changes could be coming, uh, and they kind of failed to get over 500 even into the Wilson era. Uh, the offense was 21st in points per possession, and the defense was 28 in points allowed per possession. Like on the defensive side, a lot of that is that 70 Miami piece. Um, when you look at um, Tim Patrick, Garrett Bowles, DJ Jones, they're carrying high cap hits. I think Tim Patrick's going to be very interesting to me because he's a guy that has missed the last two years. I believe he's been the best wide receiver on Denver's roster for the last two years. He's just been hurt. You can't help the club from the tub. 
George gave him a contract extension along when he gave Cortland. So he's carrying a decent number for somebody that you haven't got production with. It's going to be interesting to me to see if Sean decides to hang on to him. Uh, because obviously they're in the need of weapons. They need more many as offensive weapons as they can get. Uh, but is he going to be a cap casually to get under that number? Um, my gut feels tells me that Garrett Bowles is. I know Garrett Bowles wants to retire Denver Bronco. He come a long way from pretty much setting a damn rookie record for holding penalties a few years back. But you can get some cap relief in regards to that. And in, in regards to stepping backwards, um, based off this is a team that started one and five and they were able to garner some energy to get back to respectability. I would like to think the focus is going to be off to a faster start. I think at worst case scenario, regardless who's under center at quarterback, I think they improve by at least a game or two. Uh, just off of how they started the coaching staff, which I have confidence in, and basically how they started last year, the emphasis from OTAs to camp is going to be getting off to a fast start. You know, I talked a lot about Sean on Radio Row talking about the Russell situation, the quarterback situation, but he also kind of alluded to what I said is that the energy that it took from getting back to 500 or close to 500, that took a lot of energy from them, and they just didn't have enough gas to kind of finish. So we'll see, but I can definitely understand why they made the list. And the other one, Jonas, is your Cleveland Browns. Well, there's two um, other ones, but yes, the Browns are one of them. Yeah, well, I mean, I was getting there, man. I'm just going to scrolling up, man. But the Cleveland Browns on the list. Uh, he states that the uh, Browns – well, here, you go ahead. Since, since I'm skipping, you go ahead and do the two then. Go well, ahead. No, I mean, sure, the Browns belong here. <laughs> Nobody expected them to be eleven and six this last year, so they should be worse than eleven and six next year. Um, you don't know what Deshaun Watson is. Uh, Nick Chubb is coming back off of, off the ACL injury, so we'll see what kind of condition he comes back in. Uh, from all what I'm hearing, Amari Cooper could be trade bait this summer, uh, trade bait in the draft because they're not a hundred percent sure they want to pick you know pick up his number, they, but they want to get younger at the position. Outside of Amari Cooper, uh, Goodwin was a bust. Elijah Moore was a bust um, for all you know intents and purposes. Uh, and David Njoku was probably the bright spot, and even he couldn't really necessarily play with Deshaun Watson. He really came on and made the Pro Bowl because of his time with Joe Flacco. So there's a lot of questions over there. You do have your reigning assistant coach of the year and Jim Schwartz now, so we'll see what you can do there. Um, defensive player of the year on that side of the ball, coach of the year. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago after the NFL honors, and then the Browns took home some hardware, but there's a lot of questions. And the reason why they took home that hardware is because they outperformed um, their, their expectations going in. Um, and then, of course, you know, given all the circumstances that they faced throughout the year. So they, they are poised to take a step back, especially if Joe Burrow comes back healthy, Lamar Jackson coming in off of an MVP, and we'll see what Pittsburgh does. If they can answer the quarterback question, the Cleveland Browns should, could very easily find themselves back, you know, fighting for third, fourth, in, you know, in that battle for third and fourth in the division. Well, I'm going to take this one being on the list with a grain of salt because they were 11-6 and, and also with the division. Um, 
I don't know so much about exceeding expectations because when Deshaun Watson showed up with, with Cleveland's roster, with a lot of people in the league are high on Cleveland roster, I think they have a talented Cleveland roster. There was expectations for them to do well last year. Um, with Deshaun Watson coming back and you say the hard work you take, there's going to be an expectation for them to do better. The reason why I say take a grain of salt because they're 11-6, and six, and the other part, the main reason why, despite what he listed in this his article, is because of the division. Um, Joe Burrow's going to be back, meaning that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be back. Um, you would like to think Lamar Jackson is going to be even more motivated and hungry as a team. You know, I don't think next year is going to have anything to do or care in the world about the MVP trophy. It almost reminds me kind of like the Joel Embiid situation. It's going to be really focused on the team aspect. So that, I mean, when you say a step back, a step back could be uh, 10 and 7. Okay, is that really a step back? No, not really. Well, it is. Um, it, it is, but it, you got to take look. This team was eleven and six. They lost their best offensive player in Chubb. Uh, they're going to keep this coaching staff intact. The reality of it is, it is it is tough sledding in the AFC. You you can't judge the AFC like you judge the NFC. So. If you want to say technically one game back is a step back, and we're talking about the letter of the law, yes. But in the when when I look at a list like this, and it's put out by some writers with post football, Phil Tom, and Jeff Kerr, when you put bold teams like teams to step to take a step back, you know, that to me means like when you take a moonwalk back, like you really like, hey, they totally fell off. Cleveland only going from 11 to 10 wins is not going to really be a step back for me. Now, if all of a sudden, if they go and they go 4 and 13 or 4 and 14, they only win five games, okay, then now we're on to something. But the AFC, man, it, it's again, that's why I say that for one, you've got to have a, it doesn't matter what the defensive looks like. It doesn't matter what the pass rush, what the court, what the running back, what receiver, you got to have a quarterback you have to have a quarterback that can throw the ball that can go tip for tat and that can win in different type of conditions you got to have that based off of what's going on in kansas city missouri um and when you and not only that when you talk about a justin hibbert teaming up with harbaugh now when you're talking about a cj stroud who you might have to keep your fingers crossed to have a sophomore slump if you're if you're a team in the afc south uh, it, my point is it's just tough so I, I just think that technically, in my opinion, wouldn't cause for a total, say, they step back. And what's the other team, team number five, Jonas, that they had on the list? Uh, the New Orleans Saints. Mm. Your your uh, NFC champion yeah, preseason. Yeah, man, they took two steps so, back already. Finished the year, I think, nine and eight. Um, and, and they're poised again from this article. Uh, and I think I think rightfully so. Again, there's a lot of questions, and if they take a step back, then you're going to see some changes down in the five oh four. Yeah, um, that was it was for the talent they've got on this team. It was bad. I see them stepping forward because of the division. Um, a lot of this is going to ride on Derek Carr. Um, I don't believe you can move on from Derek Carr just one year with that contract and still the upside at number two. Um, cause I know I had a saints fan, uh, man, Stan texted me this few weeks ago talking to him and asked me if I thought they had enough resources to move up to get JD Daniels. And I told him, I said, look, with, with the contract they gave Carr 
and going to get Carr. And keep in mind, this was a it caused their other opponent in the NFC South to have a gut reaction and a panic reaction to go ahead and trade the farm to move up to get Bryce Young because they try to get Derek Carr first, speaking of the Panthers. Um, you're not going to in their first round pick. And keep in mind, I think they got a second round, an extra second round pick this year because of the Sean Payton trade. You're not going to take a quarterback in the first round if you're the Saints. Um, you're just not going to do it. Now, if you didn't give Derek Carr that contract and you were still rolling with Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, that's a different story. But with Derek Carr, you're not basically going to be taking a quarterback of the future in the first round, at least in my opinion. I don't think they will. Um, so when I look at the NFC South and I look at, you know, can Tampa Bay do this again? If they if Baker does return to Tampa Bay, can they really get light in the bottle? Wonder if Mike Evans leaves for greener pastures and all of a sudden you're looking at a receiving core that maybe not be that good. Not to mention um, that you're getting ready to have a new offensive coordinator there after new, Canales went and took the Panthers' job. Right, like a new uh, coaching change or whatever. Question marks with that. Carolina, Carolina is still, in my opinion, two to three way, years away from really being competitive. Competitive, um, You know, and especially considering what they gave up to move up to get Bryce Young. That ownership has proven to be just impatient, if anything, firing through coaches. But we don't know how they're going to attack this free agency, how it's going to happen. But, again, I love Bryce Young. I think he'll be okay. Uh, but he's going to have, I, I, in my opinion, he's at least two years away from really being competitive. Atlanta, Atlanta's got to solve their quarterback situation. Now, you give me, you make a move, and you land, uh, you bring Justin Fields back to his hometown, and you put Justin Fields with Atlanta and some of those weapons, depending you don't have to give up too much and just future drafts or whatever okay now we're cooking but they've got uncertainty at the quarterback position and Todd Bowles which is their new coach you know him and Robert uh, you know Arthur Blank the other day I saw a prayer they talked about it say look quarterback position everybody everything's on the table so Ritter and Heineke's over there right now. They're on notice. Most likely, Atlanta's bringing somebody else in new at quarterback via uh, draft, one of these top quarterbacks, or via trade or signing a veteran. And most likely, they're going to be in on the Justin Fields sweepstake as well, too. So with all that said, um, I'm going to sit there and say New Orleans, not saying I want to pick them again to be in the NFC Championship game, uh, burnt me once, but I picked them. I, I look at them to really be at least a 10 win team next year because there is going to be a lot on the line, especially with Coach Dennis Allen. Um, you know, in regards to that, Mickey Loomis came up and gave the whole Gettysburg address on why they're keeping them and, you know, not making haste decisions, but he'll be against it. But I think they'll get 10 wins. All right, man, that is a wrap for today. Special thanks to the producer of the show, Jonas Clark, San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, people up in the Maha City in Denver, Colorado. Colorado, people down the whole 305 South Florida region and my people down Laredo. When that alarm goes off tomorrow morning for you, it's a snooze button for you out the rack. Just ask yourself. You grind in peace. See y'all tomorrow. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas. White Plains, New York.
Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, Shout. cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and Seafood Lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind.